Okay, so tonight, Be'ezus Hashem, we're going to be continuing with our series on the Esar Sviros, on the Ten Sviros, and we're going to be continuing tonight with the Svira of Gevura. And the idea associated with the nature of Gevura, which we're going to be focusing on, is Gevura's relationship with the concept of intensity or intensification. Now, reviewing last week, because when a person discusses Gevura, it must always be within the context of chesed. Like we said last week, Olam chesed yibane. The primary and primordial desire of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to create all of existence in all of its entirety was for the sole purpose for the good, capital G good, in all manners of goodness, to be able to bestow goodness in a lowercase g to its creations. Now, Olam chesed yibane, the affirmative vision when a person looks at the world and assumes that Baruch Sha'amar Vahaya Ha'olam, that the world and all of the things within the world, including the difficulties and the darkness, as well as the pleasure and the light, all of it is good. All of it is Tov Ma'od. All of it is wonderful. And God, so to speak, places his Gushpanka, his stamp on it, and says that the purpose of creation is Chaykatov Lahetiv. The desire or the law of goodness is to bestow goodness. It's only within that context of the goodness, of the blind beggar who is willing to blind himself to the suffering of the world in order to penetrate deeply through his gaze to see the good that is concealed, that stands at the ready to be revealed, only then can we properly enter into the sugya of Gevura. Now, Gevura, on a certain level, is going to be the polar opposite or the equalizer to the nature of Chesed. If Chesed, like we said last week, was expressivity, the movement outwards from the self towards the other, the movement outwards from the interiority of ourselves towards the external nature of the world for the sake of forming relationships and developing compassionate relationships with things other than ourselves through acts of tzedakah and rachamim, which are rooted in the deep, deep, soulful understanding that I am not the only thing in the world and I am not the most important thing in the world, Gvura is going to be an opposite movement. Gvura is going to be a hiskavsutz within the self, a collecting of oneself and a movement within. If chesed is going to be extroverted, in the sense that it's engaging with things outside of myself, Gvura is going to be introverted in the sense that it is an engagement with the interiority of myself. Now, as we said, chesed is going to compare to mayim. Mayim, which descends from a lofty place down to a lower place, showing the fluidity of water, showing the fact that water is part of a singular stream, the unity that is associated with chesed, to the extent that the Leshem points out, the Leshem Shavuot points out that water symbolizes unity because it's associated with Ahava and Echad, which, serve, which share a numerical value of 13, which is Echad. And the reason for that is because when we see we have disparate objects like flour with many-fold granules of flour, each in its own separate nature, water comes and is medavic them together. Water comes and creates a, a unification amongst all the disparate points of flour to the point that it becomes dough, to the point that that which was disparate and separate becomes thick and unified, because that's the nature of chesed. Gevura, on the other hand, is going to be associated with esh, with fire. And very often in the Lashon of Chazal and in the Lashon of our Mikubalim and the Bali Midrashim and Bali Chasidus and the Taminim of the Vilna Gon, 
we're going to see an oppositional relationship between Aish and Mayim, between fire and water, to the extent that Rashi already points out that Shamayim, the nature of heaven itself, which is the goal of everything, is simply a composite of fire and water. And Oisa Shalom Bimroimov, when the Pasuk says that God creates peace on high, what that is representative of is the relationship and the peaceful relationship between these two polar opposites of fire and water. If, like the Leshem says, water, which is associated with chesed, takes that which is disparate and disunified, all the different granules of flour to create a unified whole of dough, fire is the opposite. Fire takes that which was unified previously and disintegrates it. It causes it to scatter into manifoldness, into multiplicity. Because fire, the Leshem says, when you burn something, what happens is that at first it was a full piece of paper, and now after the conflagration, after the fire does its job, what you're left with is afar ve'efer, with the ashes, which are disparate and multiple pieces of something that was originally whole. Because if chesed's nature is to be ma'achid things and to form connections between things, gevura on a certain level is to set limitations to each and everything. Now the purpose of gevura in its purity is to create a gavul, a limitation, the boundaries and the borders that distinguish one thing from the other. Without gavura, without din, which is what Gavura was referred to by the previous Mekubalim prior to the Ramak and the Arizal, to the point that Din and Gavura are almost synonymous with one another, it's very important for us to understand that Gavura's main purpose is to set limits. It's to say, Ad Kantavo, this is the point that a person is able to go and no further. This is the point in which this object is capable of taking on particular traits and no further so that through Gavura and through Din, we actually have the capacity to distinguish between one thing and its other. If the world was purely chesed, if the world was purely the fluidity that unifies things, the water that descends from on high to below, taking all that which is separate and unifying them together, so then what we would have is a unified existence without any disparity, without any multiplicity, and without any differentiation. It's only by dint of the limitations that are placed, and these limitations in truth define each thing in its ipsity, in its thingness, in its zahut, in its zeh, what it is as you hold it, it's the boundaries that, disint- that distinguish between one thing and the other, so that each thing is what it is and not some other thing. It's only through Gavura that we have separateness, where things are capable of being separate and apart from one another without melding into this amalgamous unity that the water of Chesed attempts to create. So we see that Chesed is associated with water, which takes disparity and tries to force it into the realm of unity by creating interrelationships, by moving outwards from myself. Gavura is going to be the Aish that takes that which was unified and shows that in truth it's disparate and it's separate for the sake of showing that each thing exists within its own particular boundaries. Now, the nature of Gavura, the nature of Din, is almost paradoxical in a sense because on the one hand, when we look at the world and when we look at our experiences from our our own perspective, our human perspective, mitzvisasenu, as the Rebbeim of Ishbitz and Radzin would express, from our own grasp of reality, our assumption is that chasadim and chesed and loving kindness is the primary mode of existence, the ore of existence, so to speak, the fluidity of light 
that expresses itself in all forms of unity. And we, I, we realize that as the ideal form of creation because in our minds, the main purpose of reality is to seek unity, is to see the unifying thread that connects all things that appear separate. And the reason for that, psychologically speaking, is because the separateness of things is what causes us pain. The separateness between ourselves and other parts of ourselves, between the different halakim of our neshama. It used to be assumed that the self or the individual is unified. And it wasn't only Freud who came to show that the individual within themselves is disunified. It was the Chachma of Chazal and the Chachma of the Mikubalim who long before Freud came along and pointed out that the self is not some unitary object, but rather it is a composition of five different integrated parts. The, ne the Nefesh, the Ruach, the Neshama, the Chaya, and the Yechida, something that we'll be able to discuss in a future series of Shirim. But suffice it to say that when we come on to the idea that the self is comprised of five parts, what we're already confronting is the fact that the self is not unified, that the self is diffused, and that we contain multitudes. And in particularly sharp nature, Rav Salavechik, in his Sefer, The Lonely Man of Faith, points this out most explicitly, that Rav Salavechik comes onto this stira that we find in the beginning of Sefer Bereshis, wherein there's two recountings, there's two accountings of the creation of man. And famously, what Rav Soloveitchik did in the Brisker Mahalach was he made a chakira. He made a chakira between these two creation stories, these two creation narratives. That one was talking about Adam one, man natura, the human as it's experienced through the scientific postulations of mathematical awareness of the world, the cold scientific analysis of things for the sake of human prowess over existence. And Adam two, or man persona, which is going to be the emotionally pathos-filled individual who is not simply looking for shlita, looking for prowess over nature, but is looking for experience. Now, the underlying theme of Rav Soloveitchik's book, Lonely Man of Faith, is very simply that if a person wants to understand how to embrace the world as an individual with a soul, first and foremost, the first postulate that we must accept for ourselves is that we contain multitudes is that we're not singular in form, but rather there's two forms of ourselves at the minimum, and that the human being is not unitary, but rather that the human being is composite. And this multiplicity, this disintegration, this separateness within ourselves, within our relationships, within the world, within Klal Yisrael, within Torah, this multiplicity that emerges from Gevura is seen as a bidyevet. It's seen as something that is negative and that we must overcome for the sake of exposing the unity of chesed. But we find something very paradoxical that in the Lashon of Chazal, as well as in the language of the Mikubalim, there's a certain ascendancy to Gevura. That in spite of the fact that, that Gevura and harsh judgments and limitation appears to be a diminution of the light of unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so that what we truly desire is Chesed, but what we get is Gevura, there's a thread of thought throughout Chazal, all the way down to the most recent expositors of Kabbalah, that sees Gevura as the ideal form of creation. And Rashi himself brings this down in the beginning of Sefer Bereshis, where he says that based on the Medrash, in the beginning it arose within the infinite will or the infinite thought of God, to create the world with Din, with Gevura. 
And because the world was not able to sustain itself through Gevura, HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw it, so to speak, that it was necessary to take Rachamim, which is going to be the Midah of Teferis, which we're going to discuss next week, and add it to the Din to make the Din more palpable. Now the Svasemes and different Sadikim, and this is expressed throughout Sifrei Hasidus and Sifrei Machshava, that the fact that originally God wanted to create the world through Din, so to speak, but then changed his mind, Kav in order to create the world with Rachamim, doesn't mean that God regretted that he wanted to create the world with Din. On a certain level, on the ideal level, if we were capable of penetrating into the depths of being, if we were capable of perceiving the building blocks of how reality stands as it is right now, what we would find is that the ideality of reality is in fact still within the realm of Gevura. So that the human conception or the human perception that sees chesed and loving kindness and unity and interpersonal relationships and extroversion and engagement with the other and the willingness to say yes to the world and the positive commandments that we engage in through this koach hamoshech of ahava, that in spite of the fact that through our own perception we see that as the ideal level of reality, in truth, when a person properly understands the sugya of gevura and din, and Yira, which is the psychological modality associated with Gevura, what we will come to find is that there is a thread of thought, and there are particular tzaddikim who focus their thinking on this thread of thought, that sees Gevura as the ideal model of how reality is supposed to operate. And on a certain level, what that means for us is that when discussing the psychological mood of Gevura, or the lived emotional state of seeing the world through Gevura, at first glance we're going to see something severe, but there's a promise within Gevura, within the reservoirs and within the recesses of severity that may allow us to penetrate into a way of looking at the world which is even ascendant and above and beyond the experience that we may have through Chesed itself. Now, because of this paradoxical nature, because Gevura and Din and separation and limitation and harsh judgment are so often associated with negativity, or the opposite side of positivity, that which comes and stops things from expressing themselves, that which comes and says, no more, you cannot move any forward, because we so often associate that trait, that limitation, that placing of, of judgments and saying, although this is harsh, I'm saying that you cannot move any further, because we very often see Gvura as something negative, the Torah HaKadosha already picks up on this. Now, this is something that we discussed in the Shiram on the Leshem Shoah Achaloma, who, like we said, is one of those tzaddikim who really saw his main purpose in Sisrei Torah or his writing to disclose the panemius of Gevuros, to reveal the ascendancy and the higher nature of severity above and beyond Chasadim, along with the Leshem Shoah Achaloma, a person can place the Mitla Rebbe, the second Rebbe of Lubavitch, the Rav Dov Ber Shnuri, the Admor HaEmsai was also an individual who saw an ascendancy to Gevuros, who saw Gevuros as allowing for a deeper experience in this world. A person can also cast into this category the Meshiloach and his son the Beis Yaakov, although less so than the Meshiloach, and especially his grandson the Sod Yisharim. And it's within the Zohar itself. The Zohar HaKadosh is also a sefer that comes really to discuss Gevura and disclose the elevated status of Gevura. Or once wrote that the entire purpose of the Zohar HaKadosh is to come to teach us how Gevura is higher than Chesed. There are certain Sadikim, 
Rav Harlap has different places where he expresses this. The Nazir certainly saw an ascendancy to Gevura above Chesed of his Rebbe, Rav Kook. But there are certain Sadiqim who saw Gevura as the ideal vehicle of HaKadosh Baruch Hu disclosing his unity within the world. And that means that for ourselves as well, we're going to be capable of finding within the experience of Gevura, within this apparently negative trait, the capacity to disclose a deeper level of unity. Now, <clears throat> On a psychological level, Gevura is associated with limit. Gevura is associated with my need to say, I will not go any further than I have gone already. It's my ability to say no. It's my ability to say that although I want to express myself, although there are people that I want to connect to, although my base nature is to express myself infinitely to all those who are in front of me, Gevura teaches me to set limits to myself. Gevura teaches me who and when and where it is appropriate to interrelate and to create relationships. Chazal tells us that if chesed reigned unmitigated by Gevura, the world would be inundated by chesed. There would be too much overflow in the world. Like we saw last week that chesed gone awry, or this deep desire to connect to things other than myself, when it misleads its path, it has the ability to fall into arayos, or illicit relationships, like the Torah HaKadoshah says, ki chesed hu, that these illicit relationships are associated with the trait of chesed, this loving kindness and expressivity and moving outwards from myself associated with Avraham Avinu. It's specifically the gvuros, the Gemara in Tainus says, the kalim, the receptacles that force the light of chesed, that force the overflow to maintain some sense of order in accordance with the receptacles that are capable of receiving the influx of light. It's only through gvuro that the light becomes manageable. In other words, there's expression and there's repression. There's the movement outwards, and if that movement outwards has no limitation placed in front of it, then it will inundate, overflow, and saturate that which is, that which is in front of it. There needs to be a repressive kayach. There needs to be a strength that says, this can no longer move forward because I need to set a limit. I need to set a gvul, and that gvul allows for this light that's descending through chesed to be managed and contained in a healthy way. That chesed is the overflow, and gvura is the containment process, which forces that overflow to become something practical. If I'm engaging in one area of my life, whether it's professionalism or relationships, it would be very unhealthy for me to be overwhelmed by all other aspects of my life, of spirituality, of music, of poetry, of writing, of composition, of thinking, of current events, because at that point, I would be saturated with all the different experiences. It's only through the capacity of Gevura, which says, at this moment, I am only thinking about one thing and everything else will be held at bay. And it's particularly this Koyach of Gevura that allows me to condense myself, that allows me to limit myself and say all of these other aspects of myself will not come into play at this moment because I need to focus on one particular thing. Without the Gevura, I would be overwhelmed. Without the Gevura, there would be a shituf of Mayim. There would be a flood water that was inundating my mind and the world to the point that I would be incapable of expressing anything coherent. Gevura is associated with Dibur. Gevura is associated with the actual manifestation of something. That chesed unbridled does not lead to manifestation. It leads to pure unity without the possibility of multiplicity or disunity.
And for that purpose, the Leshem Shulullah Chaloma points out that we very often find language in Mikubalim of chesed pashut, of a simple unity, a simple chesed. Because simplicity is the idea that everything is so utterly unified that it cannot enter into the realm of duplicity or complication. It's only through gevura which the Leshem points out, we never find the word Pashat associated with Gevura because Gevura by nature is something that creates disunity. How does Gevura create disunity? So now we're going to see how these two opposite points of Gevura that we've been discussing, on the one hand, the setting of limit, and on the other hand, the multiplication of things, we're going to see how these two things unite. When there is a shittuf of Chesed, when there is an overflow of Chesed, where there's an overflow of energy, Gevura is there to create limitations. Gevura is there to say that this energy, this light, this idea, this experience cannot go beyond this boundary. When I set a boundary for something, that means that I'm applying a limit to that chesed. Once I apply that limit to the chesed, the remaining chesed needs elsewhere to go. And where chesed goes is it starts to create a new entity. So the limitation, the limit setting that Gevura says, ad kantavo, do not move further than you have gone, that setting of a limit, that withholding, that momentary assertion of limitation is actually what forces there to be a doubling or a duplication or a multiplicity. Because had there been no limitation, had there been no moment where things had to stop, then what started off in the beginning would continue throughout and it would be one infinite unified whole. It's only by the placement of limitation that forces energy and the power of chesed to reassert itself in another form, to be ne'etak itself, to copy itself, to double itself. So this limit placement, this limitation that I place within my life when I say to myself, I will not move any further than this, that forces me to multiply myself. That forces me to express myself in myriad forms to the point that I can have countless experiences and countless events in my day-to-day life, which without Gevura would have been simply one fell swoop of a temporal fragment. Everything would have been unified to a point where there can be no multiplicity or no duplicity or no differentiation. It's only through the setting of limit where I force something to express itself again. So therefore we see how the limit setting associated with Gevura this placement of a limit where I say, do not move any forward, that this is the vessel that I'm setting up to receive the influx of life, it's only through that limitation that I allow for there to be a need for things to multiply themselves. So Gavura, which is the limit setting that I place on my relationships, that I place on my expressivity in the world, that I will only give to this place and not some other place, that I will only read this book and not the other book, that allows me to experience different moments of differentiated existence. If I was an Ish Chesed Gamur, then there would be nothing that I wouldn't read, for example. There would be no book that was off limits. There would be no idea that was off limits. It's only through Gavura which says there are certain things which are not to be read, which forces me to choose deliberately that which I will read. So Gavura, on the one hand, forces a limit. It forces a stoppage to the flow, but it also forces me to re-engage. It forces me to deeply engage within myself to choose something else. And this is what the Mikubala mean when they say that Gevura's main purpose is to allow for Bechira, for choice, for volitional actions. Were it not for Gevura within myself and within the world, 
were it not for this severe ability to set a limit to the expressivity of myself, were it not for my ability to say no to things, were it not for my ability to set a limit and to say that I do not want to go further than this moment right now, it's only that gavura which allows me to choose one thing over the other. Because if I was simply engaging with everything that was present to me, if I was developing and cultivating relationships purely based on chesed, then there would be no chiddush involved in developing a relationship because it would be my natural tendency. The most natural thing for me to do would be to connect to things outside of myself like we spoke about last week. It's only through gavura, which tells me that there are certain things to connect to and certain things not to connect to, which gives me the ability to overcome myself and to choose what I would like to connect to. Because at that limit experience, when gavura comes in and says, do not move any further, or it says the capital no, and it says, I will not move beyond the place that I am at right now, the next assertion, the next relationship that I cultivate, the next experience that I choose to engage in is one that comes from a deep place within me that volitionally chooses to engage. Chesed is pashat, chesed is flowing. Fire, on the other hand, emerges in a fierce way from within the core. Fire comes from below to above. Mayim comes from above to below. That fluidity, that unified flow that descends from above to below inundates everything and it sees no distinction. The fire, on the other hand, ascends from the severity and intensity that comes by saying no, by compressing myself, by taking the energy that exists within my left hand and making a fist out of it, taking that energy and forcing it into one potent form, that's going to be the Koyach of Gevura. And out of that intensification, out of that gathering of my strengths, that withholding that doesn't allow my strength to emerge outwards, and therefore I begin to collect reservoirs of strength and potential within myself, that Gevura then allows me to emerge in a second way, in a more volitionally type of Bechira, where I choose something in particular. Now, this differentiation or this force to choose or this necessity of Bechira, all which emerge from Gevura, can create many difficulties for us, like we said. Because when we look at the world, we don't like to see disunity. We don't like to see multiplicity. We don't like to see separateness. Because it's the separateness in our lives which make things difficult. It's the combating realities that we have within ourselves, which on the one hand, on a certain layer of my soul, I operate on a particular level of spirituality, yet in a more realistic layer of myself, I only operate with a lower sense of spirituality. It's the distortion and distinction between those two modes which create this battle or this distortion between the real self and the true self or the the, the ideal self and the reality of who I am, it's this distinction which causes discomfort. It's this distinction which creates the multiplicity which clouds the light of unity. And therefore, when the Torah HaKadosha speaks about engaging with the Midah of Gevura, there's already a deep sense of awareness that a person needs to look twice at this Midah in order to properly understand it. Now, <clears throat> there's a teaching that's recorded in Magid Meyasharim from Yosef Cairo, the Machaber of the Shulchan Aruch, who, after hearing Devarim from his Magid, after receiving Devre Torah from his celestial teacher, he recorded certain teachings in Aramaic, 
And this teaching is echoed as well, not in the name of the Magid Meisharim, but it's echoed as well in the name of Rav Simcha Bunim of Pshischa, which is also written down in his Kol Simcha. Miki Rosen, Skusia brings it down in <clears throat> Quest for Authenticity, his wonderful book about the Rav Simcha Bunim of Pshischa and the Yir HaKadosh of Pshischa. And this teaching is recorded by the Sod Yesharim. In the Sod Yesharim Tinyana al HaTorah, in Parshas Vayetze, I believe, where he says the name of Rav Simcha as follows. He says, when Avimelech, <clears throat> the, the Tsar of the Plishtim, confronts Avram Avinu, after cultivating a relationship with Avram Avinu, he says, I have seen the bracha that you experience. But when it comes to Yitzchak Avinu, when it comes to understanding his relationship with Yitzchak, after this entire misunderstanding between the two of them, the Pasuk says, Re'e Re'inu Esabracha, that we have seen the blessing that you have. The only difference is that by Avram Avinu, it only said Re'e once, it said vision in one tense. And by Yitzchak Avinu, there's already a doubled vision, Re'e Re'inu, a doubled Lashon of looking, almost to say that Avimelech had to look twice. And the Saudi Yisharim says in the name of Rav Simcha Bunim of Pshischa, that the reason is as follows. When Avimelech engages with Avram Avinu, and eventually comes to understand who Avram Avinu is, and he sees the wealth and the blessing and the joy and the compassionate grace that Avram Avinu lives his life with, all he has to do is look once because it's understandable to him. Because Avram is the paradigm of chesed. And chesed is this overflow of loving kindness and interrelationship. So it wasn't much of a surprise for him. So one glance was enough for him to understand why there was blessing and wealth by Avram Avinu. But when it comes to Yitzhak Avinu, who is the paradigm of Gvura, of Pachad, of the fear of Yitzchak, of the anxiety of Yitzchak, the anxiety that Gvura creates within ourselves that tells us that the world maybe is not the loving kindness place that we chose to see it in Chesed, Gvura forces us to acknowledge the world in all of its limitedness. Gvura forces us to see that the dregs of Gvura, as Gvura descends into this worldliness, it emerges in harsh judgments, it emerges in destruction, it emerges in rage and anger. And when a person looks at the world of anger and rage and gavura and inactivity and repression and introversion, it's difficult for a person to understand how there can be blessing there. It's difficult for a person to understand how through setting of limits, how through a harshness with myself, how through the imposition of limitation within myself and stopping myself from engaging things, how could it be that blessing emerges from there? And therefore, when Avimelech saw the blessings of Yitzchak, that he planted and he found the Meya Sha'aram, he found a hundredfold of what he had planted and there was massive wealth by Yitzchak and exponential growth and multiplicity of that which was originally unified, Avimelech has to look twice. It says, Re'e Ra'inu. That at first glance, I had no idea that there could be blessing here because Gevura is destructive and Dinam are destructive and Dinam are harsh. But when I look twice, when I allow myself to look into the interiority of Gevura, to the panemius of Gevura, it's only then that I'm capable of understanding that yes, here too there's a blessing. There's a multiplicity that allows for blessing to multiply itself. There's an intensification that takes place after the setting of limits that allows for the potential to garner its strengths, to burgeon within the self, to multiply and to move within the self, the sha'ashuim minayubei, this internal back and forth that takes place by dint of the limit that I set on myself, 
that allows for a further iteration of deeper koach, that gevura allows for a doubling, it allows for wealth to multiply itself in a newfound way that was hitherto inaccessible. And that's why Avimelech and his Sartzava, when they see Yitzchak's wealth, they say, Re'e Re'inu. At first glance, it did not appear to us that Din or Gevura can allow for any growth. But now we see that, in fact, Din and Gevura allow for exponential growth because the setting of limits allows for things to burge and gather together for the sake of expressing themselves in a stronger way. <clears throat> the Rebbe Rashab, in multiple places, but in particular, right now, we're going to be looking at Tafresh Nuntes, the Ma'amarim of Tafresh Nuntes, in particular by Chaye Sarah. The Rebbe Rashab has such remarkable lashonos about the Midah of Gevura in exactly the way we're describing that when I saw this, I actually cried. <clears throat> this was a number of years ago. But he says as follows, and we're just going to be quoting from different places within this, uh, this Sefer. He says, That the essential speed or the essential exponent factor through which Shefa is disclosed in the world, that this intensification of the self, the ability for the self to disclose itself in ways that were hitherto inaccessible, to disclose layers that had appeared hidden from the eye, that remain deep and concealed within the self, the only way that these things emerge are through Gavura itself. <clears throat> like the Pasuk says, Yasis Kegibor Larutz Orech, that a person has to gather themselves like a strong person, like a Gibor, which is Meloshan Gavura, in order to run forth. That Gavura, in its essence, is actually Tagvura Sachayus, a strengthening of vitality, a strengthening of the self. How is Gavura, the setting of limits, actually a strengthening of the self? Because, like we said, when I say to myself, Ad Kantavo, when I say to myself, I will not express myself further, I will hold my mouth, I will hold my tongue, I will not say what I want to say, I will not react the way I want to react. I will not allow the natural proclivity of my thoughts to operate, but rather I will hold it back and I will show this imposition of strength above and beyond my natural tendencies. It's only in showing our ability to overcome ourselves, this capacity of self-overcoming, like we discussed in our class in addiction on just say no, or the pleasure of non-pleasure, or the ability to set a limit for ourselves, what the Bali Hasidus and Chabad refer to as a tainug ha-he'elem, as a concealed tainug, it's only then that I'm able to be mitgaber mechayus, that my internal sense burgeons, and it grows, and it multiplies, because when I hold it within myself, it now has time to gather in a deeper way. And if it was only chesed, that it would have been expressed immediately and it would have been pushed, it would have been simple without any depth to it. It's only through that withholding that allows the depth to burgeon and to grow within me and to rage within me, ready and standing to be disclosed at the proper time. And when Gavura expresses itself, it comes fast because when I finally allow myself to express myself after I've set limitations for myself, at that point, the potency and the intensity of the self is much stronger had it not been for the limitation. And the Rebbe Rashab uses an incredible Lashon. He says, And Yitzchak Avinu, like we're going to discuss, is the aspect of Gavura, is the aspect of severity. 
Amnan Bechinas HaGevura Di Yitzchak, the aspect of the strength of Yitzchak, who Bechinas Tagvura Sa'atzmus. It's the idea of the intensification of the essence, which means to say that when the essence is not capable of expressing itself through chesed, when there's no allowance for things to just move forward without any limit, and there's a limit set, then the essence confronts that limit and it's forced to learn how to overcome that limit. And in learning to overcome our limitations, the capacity to overcome ourselves, of Ezehu Gibor HaKovish Es Yitzro, who is a strong person, someone who is capable of overcoming themselves, which means to say that we overcome the limits that we set for ourselves and we overcome these impositions of limitation for the sake of asserting ourselves and emerging in a newfound koach, in a newfound intensified way where we can now emerge in intensification through multiplicity not simply in unity, but we can engage in different things. And an Ish Gevura, HaKovesh Yitzro, is able to pay attention to each particular thing. Because in spite of the apparent multiplicity that emerges out of limits of Gevura, what that allows for is a deeper revelation of unity. Because like we've said throughout, from the beginning of Reish Milin, Chesed, or the unity or the infinity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or the right side of things, is the truth of unity. It's the ability for Hashem to reveal himself as in, in his infinitude, so to speak, and to show how everything is part and parcel of one clean, unified whole. Now, when we speak about the infinite, that's not much of a chiddush, because it's simple for the simple unity to remain unified. Gevura, on the other hand, is the emergence of multiplicity. It's the dinim. It's that which conceals the light of unity in the world. It's the severity of Yitzchak Avinu that eventually will give birth to the dinim and the gvuros, which create the suffering and the concealment and the darkness and the severity and the hester that each and every person goes through in their individual lives. But it's only through this multiplicity, it's only through this being forced to emerge in difference that allows unity to enter into the vessels of disunity thereby showing that unity has supremacy even within the realms of darkness. That chesed is light. That light in and of itself is not much of a novelty. Light is simple. It's tainug. It's pure pleasure. But it's only through gevura. It's only through the severity of ourselves. It's only through our ability to set limits for ourselves and to say no to ourselves that we have the capacity of showing that even within the no-saying, even within the severity that we see in the world, even within the hester, astir, aspane, bayom hahu, there is an abiding sense of unity that takes all multiplicity and shows that unity is so great that it can contain unity and multiplicity at once. That, like the Baal Tov teaches us, tainug tamidi eno tainug. If it was pure chesed, it would just be perpetual pleasure of unity. And eventually that pure pleasure of unity descends into happenstance, it descends into meaningless boredom because there's no novelty involved in it. Chesed is not forced to overcome itself. Chesed is simply unified. It's the flowing water which will emerge as far as it can go. And eventually it loses its taste. But when we encounter the gavuros, when we encounter severity, and we see that it's not a tainug tamidi, that pleasure is not perpetual, and that unity is very often concealed, and that there's separation and duplicity that reigns in the world, it's only then that we can basically begin to appreciate the Tainug in the first place. 
And this is what the Baal Shem Tov means when he writes that Tainug Timidi Eino Tainug. Perpetual pleasure is not pleasure. That perpetual chesed is not a chiddush. It's only when chesed and gevura meet. It's only when the yemino tekarveni, that the right hand of chesed says come close, and smoila is pushing away. It's only in that dialectic between that expressivity and that repression, that movement outwards and that movement inwards, that expressivity and that limitation, that light and that vessel, that or yashar, that straight light that descends from on above to below, and that or choser that ascends from on below to on high, it's only in the unity of those two disparate acts of chug, of chasadim and gavuros, where we actually begin to experience true pleasure in the sense that it's a novelty now. That now light doesn't only express itself as light, but light also expresses itself as darkness. And this is why the gavuros, in their root, allow us to ascend beyond the light of chasadim. That it's specifically in Mayira, it's specifically in how I deal with anxiety in this world. It's specifically how I deal with those knots of energy that don't allow me to move smoothly through them, that I disclose the true nature of myself. The Vilna Gon and his student, Rav Menachem Endel and his student, Rav Yitzhak Haver, point out in multiple places that Gevura, the gematria of 216, is the same gematria as Yira, as fear, or withholding, or a movement backwards, or a retreat, or a sense that I cannot engage right now and I must sit on my kelim, I must sit and gather my strength, they also share a numerical value with the word amok, or depth. Because it's only through gavura, it's only through the severity of ourselves, it's only through our limit setting, it's only through our ability to not allow ourselves to engage in our most natural tendencies and to actually overcome the instant gratification of chesed, that we allow ourselves to descend into a deeper part of ourselves. That by withholding, that by saying no, that by not allowing myself to express myself at the first glance of chesed, I force myself into a deeper part of myself. I break through the ground, just like it takes an act of strength to break through the basic levels of things, that it takes a strong arm to break through the surface of a floor in order to disclose the depths that remain concealed, so too it takes the act of gavura, it takes the act of self-severity and self-overcoming and self-withholding of Ezehu Gibor HaKoyvesh Yitzra, like the Maharal describes so beautifully in the Mishnah and Avos. It takes the act of gavura to disclose the depths. It takes the act of Gevura to show that which is hidden within the recesses of things. And when a person penetrates deeply into themselves, when a person opens up themselves and allows themselves to move beyond that which is at first glance their personality, what we come to find is a deep strength, a deep intensity of connection in which we are moving with Eish Lahava. Instead of the calm, flowing waters, it's an ahava azakamavis. It's a love that is as strong as death. It's the rishpei esh shall have eska that are described in the sixth parak of Shir Hashirim and that the Leshem Shlagachalema discusses hundreds of times in his writings. It's the rishpei esh, it's these flames of love that saturate the individual, that are forced to burgeon within the individual, primarily because I'm not allowing myself to access that love yet. It's particularly by withholding the love. It's particularly by withholding my desire to connect to everything that is in front of me that I give myself the ability to connect in a real way. And it's this pachad, this yira, this fear of things, 
this trepidation, this sobriety of taking life seriously, which makes life heavy sometimes. It's the gvuros which make life heavy, the kvedos of life, which also allows for there to be kavod that emerges. Kvedos, heaviness, and kavod, honor, share the same etymological root, because only when life is heavy, only when there are second glances that are needed in order to penetrate into the depths of things, to see their true nature, only when there's multiplicity and duplicity does honor emerge. Because honor, just like we said before about the novelty of tainug that takes place when the opposite is possible, kavod or honor only emerges out of a place of bizoy. It only emerges out of a place of dishonor. It only emerges out of a place where it's the possible of the opposite of itself. That gvura allows for the oppositional power against chasadim that allows for the novelty of things. It's the dialectical response to the overflow of chesed which says, no, you must stop your flow. You must stop right here. But that stoppage allows for the individual to gather their strengths and to emerge with a newfound strength of Ezehu Gibor HaKovesh Yitzro, who is strong, the individual who is capable of overcoming themselves. <clears throat> the Maharal, based on one of the most remarkable Gemaros and Masecha Shabbos Daf Peites, discusses what's going to happen in the future when it comes time for harsh judgment, something that is deeply associated with Gevura. And the Maharal expresses this in Netzach Yisrael in Perak Yud Gimel. Now, the Gemara says as follows, that in the future God, so to speak, is going to come to Avram Avinu, the paradigm of chesed and loving kindness. And he's going to say, it's time to redeem your children, but they've sinned. They've sinned so terribly. They're so lost. They've lost themselves in exile. They've lost themselves in the present moment. And Avram Avinu is going to respond, He's going to say, my children, my children have sinned, they're yours. You take care of them. You handle it. What do I care? Hashem is then going to go to Yaakov Avinu, and he's going to say, your children have sinned. And Yaakov is going to say, okay, so what? Ignore them. Get rid of them. I don't care. It's only when God comes to Yitzhak Avinu, the paradigm of harsh judgment, the forefather who went tied to the altar, according to Chazal during Akedis Yitzhak, said to his father, tie me tighter. Tie me tighter because I'm afraid if I'm allowed to move, I'm going to create a blemish. That it's this aspect of deep strength and gavura which says I need more limitations. I need more distinction. I need more separateness. I need more din and gavura and yira. I need more of it. I need to hold myself more accountable. Of yikov hadines hahar. That din is so sharp it can break through the mountain like Chazal tell us. And Yitzhak Avinu is going to come and say to God, he's going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. My children have sinned. They're your children as well. You called them your children yourself. And if you're telling me that I need to take responsibility over my children, then we'll half it. I'll take half and you'll take half. And at that point, because Yitzhak Avinu was the only person who was willing to stand up for us, we're going to say, Ki ata Avinu, you are our father. And B'nai Yisrael are going to look and the world is going to look at Yitzhak, the paradigm of harsh judgment, and say that you are the leader. And the Maharal explains that it's only through din, it's only through the omek hadin that a person comes to find that in the depths everything is pure. Like the Pasuk tells us by the Mitzorah, that kulo hafach lavan taharhu, when the entirety of saraas turns white, when it's so severe in its degradation and in its abject nature, and things are so broken and dark, kulo hafach lavan taharhu, 
At that point, Ra has nothing to stand on. When all things are negative, when all things are broken, the brokenness and the negativity is revealed to be what it truly is, which is just another expression of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Yitzchak Avinu forces Hashem to say, it says, that Yitzchak almost forces God, so to speak, to say that in the depths, when you penetrate deeply into the matter, you will find that in the core, everything is good. In the core, even the Gevuros are coming to speak of the reality of the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That even the Chatayim, even those moments of distortion and distinction, and the Gevuros and the Dinim and the severity that a person experiences in this world, all of that bespeaks the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And this is specifically why Yitzhak Avinu, the paradigm of Gevura, is associated with the Lashon of Schoik, of laughter, of Vetischak Leomacharon, that there will be laughter on the last day. Or Sara Imenu laughing when she's told that she's going to have a child, like we saw by the Beis Yaakov and the Sod Yisharim and the Meshiloach based on the Zohar and Parsha Shlach, that it's specifically from Gevura, from the Tzad HaSafron, from the north, Meitzafon Tiftacharaa, from the north will emerge the negative, which is the source of Gvuros, it's specifically those places that allow for laughter. Because when darkness and negativity and limitation and saying no are shown to also be handmaidens of Kedusha, are shown to also be methods of disclosing the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the unity of ourselves that allows us to overcome ourselves, that's when we're going to laugh. It's the incongruity of theory, as Henry Bergson would say, that when things appear to be going one way and then suddenly they're revealed to be the opposite, that vinahapochu, that reversal, that transvaluation of all direction, that laughter of Purim, which comes out of the depths of darkness of Amalek and Suffolk and the threat of destruction, it's only there that laughter emerges. Because when a person realizes that even the Gevura, even the severity that we see in ourselves and we see in other people and we see in the world, which forces a person to say, lace din v'leis dayan, God forbid. When the din is so great, a person can emerge and say that there's no din in the world. But it's specifically within the gavuros and within the dinim themselves that we're capable of revealing laughter. This laughter that sees brokenness this laughter that sees destruction, this laughter that sees hopelessness, this laughter that lives with the anxiety of day-to-day anticipatory fears about the future, and it's the laughter that emerges when we say that this too, in the depths, in the omek of Gevura, in the depths of the matter, we see that Gevura itself is in truth coming to disclose a deeper reality of unity. And in ourselves as well, when we set limits for ourselves, what we're doing is we're fighting against that general category of negative behavior, what the Chazonish refers to in his letters as Haznachas Achayim Lazarim Hativi, the abandonment of the self to the natural proclivity of the self. That unless I set limits to myself, unless I learn how to be mitgaber, unless I learn the source of Yira that is above Ahava, and the Gevuros that in their source are above Chasadim, and that Yitzchak in his source is above Avraham, and that the Lo Saseh in its source is above the Aseh, it's only then that we reveal the deep pleasure that emerges out of these Gevuros, which come to apply limitation and to force each thing into its own differentiated but unified place, so that the eventual unity that is disclosed is going to be a much deeper level of unity. Be'ezra Sashem, next week we're going to discuss Teferas. We're going to discuss the synthesis 
if you will, of these two kolchos, of chesed and gevura. We're going to discuss Yaakov, the beauty that emerges out of Yaakov. We're going to discuss how this truth that emerges out of Yaakov is going to be a composite of chesed and gevura in their sources, Be'ezrus Hashem.